Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. everybody and welcome back to the beer ladies podcast i am your host today tandy and i am joined by our fabulous co-host and our very first episode with our new co-host erica <laughs> erica say hi hi everyone everyone a wave i mean um for for those who have um listened for a long time and for the whole of of season one you'll have known that we actually interviewed erica as part of our women in beer series um quite early on so we had erica and kelly um on the podcast and uh erica's a firm friend of the podcast and now a co-host so big welcome to erica thank you and our other co-host of the day is katie our good old katie Hello, I'm back and welcome, Erica. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And today we have a seriously exciting episode. I'm thrilled to uh, say that we have got Jesse Flynn, who is the co-founder of Quasar Brewery in Kigali in Rwanda. Now, today we want to talk to Jesse about Quasar is the first like craft brewery in Rwanda. It's also women-owned. So we're going to go through all of that. Plus, we're going to talk about some Kickstarter things and how the brewery um, has come to be and how it's impacted the community. And we're going to just get a good old flavor of of the Rwandan craft beer scene through Jesse. So Jesse, would you say hi for us? Say hi to all of our listeners and watchers. Hello, everyone from Rwanda. (laughs) <laughs> Lovely to have you. All right, so let me just remind everybody as we uh, as we are in the beginning few episodes of our podcast of season two that we are on all the social medias and we're also on all of the podcast apps as well as on YouTube. So you can find us at the Beer Ladies Podcast um, on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram, and at Beer Ladies Pod on Twitter. Um, and yes, that's that's really it. So that's it. Intro intro to the podcast. Please go and follow us and share share our episodes and tell a friend and subscribe and do all of those things. It really does make a difference. And we have our vanity um, YouTube address, so now you can just go uh, youtube.com forward slash beer ladies podcast. That's you don't, it. Which is great. Thanks exactly. everybody for following us. Yeah, thanks for that, guys. And please continue to. So, you know, we want to grow from strength to strength. And the only way that we can do that was with visibility. So every signal boost counts, guys. Okay. All right. So let's, let's, let's kick this off. Let's kick this off with what are you drinking? And I'm actually going to start with Jesse today. Jesse, tell us what you're drinking today. Um, so I am drinking ooh, a Rwandan banana wine. Mm. Um, ooh. 
And let me see if I can get this up here. So this is a 14% alcohol, um, <laughs> quite strong. Um, and so, and this is made by um, a woman and her mother um, who we went and toured their facility. Um, they're known as Juliana. Uh, you can find them on, on all the social media too. Um, and so this is her mom's traditional recipe that they have been able to get licensed and commercialized. Um, and so they're one of the other women-run um, alcohol businesses here in Rwanda. Um, Ooh, shout out. So it's quite strong. As people think, you describe it as almost like a port. Um, and so it's not quite a beer, but I just wanted to bring in something that uh, is a Rwandan traditional beverage. That's fantastic. And is there a hint of banana off it or is it just made from banana? Yeah, it's made from banana. Um, you can't taste banana at all. It's just, it tastes like a very sweet port mm. wow. um, with a smoky flavor to it also. Um, wow. and so, yeah. <laughs> so the <laughs> processing that the bananas go through, um, you know, involves um, heat and, and fire and everything. So um, no, it does not taste like banana. It just tastes like a very sweet port. Wow. Is it carbonated like a beer or is it flat like a wine? Flat like a wine. Okay. Okay, cool. That's so interesting. I think we need to, uh, I think we need to try and make some of that, Erica, don't you think? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would love to see a vineyard and winery in Ireland. Yeah. Wouldn't that be <laughs> yeah. fun? Yeah. All right. <laughs> Okay, well, Erica, what are you drinking today? Uh, so I have Bally Kill Cabin's Clancy Cans number six. Mm-hmm. And the reason I chose this is because it's called Land Down Under Aussie IPA. And uh, with Rwanda being in the Southern Hemisphere, I know that's a bit of a stretch, <laughs> but it was the best I could do. Um, it's a beautiful black can. And we actually did a virtual tour and guided tasting uh, with this brewery. And they're from... Strad Valley in County Leash. Cool. That sounds good. Mm. And uh, oh, so you said it was an Australian hopped IPA? Yeah, so it okay. has um, several hops in here. It's Galaxy, Vic Secret, and Ella. Mm. Uh, citrus, tropical fruits, and floral with a bitter backbone. And then um, the Clancy family have worked at the Valley Kill Cabin Farm. So this limited edition can series is named after them. Mm. Five generations. Yeah. That's great. Cool. Katie, what have you got today, my friend? I am drinking a Cloudwater and Queer Brewing collaboration. Mm. It's in a lovely can with like, it's got pink and then it's got like yellow and white. It's lovely. It I heard is such good things about queer brewing. Yeah, it's the first time I've actually seen it on the shelves in Ireland. So I was mm. like, I'm going to pick that up. And also, Cloudwater. Um, you see that a little bit more frequently than queer brewing. But I know that there is a link, which maybe Jesse will talk about later, to mm-hmm. the Quasa project. So I said I'd get that. And uh, this is an IPA. Um, it doesn't list the hops. Uh, it just says that it features a hop called Citra. So I don't know if mm. that's the only hop or. Cool. But it tastes really, really nice. And it's, a, it's a hazy. They're selling at the Tesco supermarkets here now, aren't they? Oh, are Cloudwater? they? I, I believe oh, wow. they are, yeah. Um, I think they have a, a cold chain. Um, so, yeah, keep it refrigerated all the way along. I am Ooh. going to have to keep my eyes open for that because I have not noticed them so far. Yeah, me but neither. that could be me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I haven't noticed them either, but I'm going to keep my eyes peeled. All right, and then... Um, I have got today 
a, a style that doesn't make sense for this kind of day. It is way too hot for this kind of style, but this is what I had. <laughs> and I didn't even uh, didn't even try that hard, to be honest. But I've got a Dungarvan. Oh, shoot. I'm just uh, trying to f- figure out my blur here for those who are listening. I've got a coffee and oatmeal stout by Dungarvan. Um, it's very much a winter beer. Um, but it is. It's lovely. It's uh, it's very it's very rich and warming, and uh, it 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 would have been better placed with a sort of cold night in a fireplace. But you know what? We just we just get on with it. Oh, Tandy, do not complain about the warm weather. No, okay. No, <laughs> no, let me not oh, curse it. <laughs> Well, and you've and, got coffee in there. So on the theme of Africa, um, coffee originated in Africa. So you did link in. Yes. You know, Jesse, I wish I could say that that was uh, deliberate. <laughs> It just it just wasn't just what I and had. I, I think the the coffee is from an Irish roastery. Does that sound right? That probably does sound right. Yeah, I have had that one, Tandy, and it yeah. is delicious. It's I really yummy. like it. It's so is, good. It's from from Flavahan's Mills and Coffee. Especially Fla- oh, I'm going to have to correct you on your <gasps> pronunciation there. Thank you. Please do. Flavins. 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 Okay. And there, yeah, there used to be an ad on television. That was like start the day the Flavins way. <laughs> they make they make porridge oats as well. They do. Oh, that's yeah. it. It's the oats from Flavins and coffee roasted by Badger and Dodo. Very ah, good. So I think they're go. from Cork. Yeah, oh. I've been saying the porridge wrong as well, so don't feel bad. <laughs> I, I think I actually have bought the oat milk before. Um, yeah, to, to try theirs versus the Elpros versus the Oatleys, but you know. Um, anyway, that's great. Okay, so let's talk about a quasar. So, Jesse, could you start by just telling us um, how you found yourself in Rwanda to begin with? Because you're clearly not from Rwanda, and and then we can talk about how you got involved with quasar and tell us about quasar. But sure, yeah. Uh, so I'm from Boston in the states. Um, and I am a landscape architect, uh, forester, horticulturalist by trade. And so I was working for a design company in Boston. Um, and there was a project over here in Rwanda that, so there's an office in Boston and an office in Rwanda. Um, they had me come over for six weeks to do a design kind of um, competition, which we ended up winning. And so um, they said to move over here. So I thought I was coming for a year or two. And now <laughs> I'm here. And <laughs> Um, so I had heard about this project because it actually began in 2016 through a Kickstarter project between Bose All Natural Brewing in Canada and this woman, Fina Uaneza, a Rwandan entrepreneur. Um, and so they had started this project um, and I had read about it, you know, in, on the, online. And when I came to Rwanda, I said, where's this women run brewery? I really want to drink. Um, but they said, eh, it's, it's kind of quieted down. We don't know what happened to it. Um, you know, fast forward a little while, I was at a party. Um, so I homebrew. I learned how to to brew with my father and my sisters um, in Boston. We grow our own hops and stuff in, cool. in Boston. Um, and so I was homebrewing and people, you know, were, were enjoying it. And so word kind of traveled and I got in, was put in touch um, with uh, Bose Brewing. And so they asked me to just kind of help pick it up and, and see if I could help restart it. Um, and so in the, I was still working full time as a landscape architect and just thinking, well, if I'm going to be here for a while, I need good beer. Um, because <laughs> There are no craft breweries in the country at all. There's there's two mass produced, um, you know, lager um, mm-hmm. companies. And so, you know, I, I was 
in order to get good beer, I figured I could help get it restarted. Um, so that was a couple few years ago now. And it, we just, you know, went through a lot of process to, to test the viability of the business here and figure out what needed to happen. And we got everything lined up and we needed somebody to do the doing. So I quit my job as a landscape architect and started Quasa full time. Woo! You took the Congratulations. <laughs> well done. <laughs> So it's the first craft brewery in Rwanda. Correct. So that's not to say that there isn't brewing here. You know, yes. so there's there is a strong home brewing culture um, of sorghum beer, banana wines, um, banana beer, different uh, different home brews, um, and then there's the two large commercial uh, lager you know facilities. Um, but there is no craft beer you can't get anything outside of those those mass-produced lagers kind of anywhere. Oh, so if um, you walk into a a beer store or a liquor store in rwanda you can only get the two mass-produced beers can you get imports in a couple of places um, but they're very very expensive because oh. so rwanda has a has a great tax law in ways of um a beer it has to be uh, sh- six months shelf life um, when it arrives to the country. Um, mm-hmm. And it also has a massive tax on it. And so um, really there's craft beer is not viable to be imported. There mm-hmm. are some beers that are, are imported. Like we have some Guinness and things that are imported, um, but it's there's the selection is not wide or great. Mm. And traditionally would women have brewed in Rwanda, like they would have in other countries or. Yeah, so so women are the brewers here. Um, mm-hmm. And so there's um, me and Josephine. Jo- so Josephine's a Rwandan woman who brews with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's been brewing sorghum beer for 27 years. Wow. And so, um, yeah, women are the ones who really make the different alcohols. And, and it's, you know, same as everywhere else, kind of whether it's celebration, mourning, ritual, families just together, whatever it is. Um, there's Rwanda has a very high kind of rate of drinking. Um, and, and most of that is um, kind of homebrew consumption. Mm-hmm. So, And what, what kind of beers, you know, if you're talking about sorghum beers that maybe Josephine would have brewed for the last 27 years, what, what is the difference between that sort of a beer and the beers that we maybe know in the Western kind of world? Um, like that but you know what I mean yeah it's um so the sorghum beer that is traditionally brewed is it looks almost like a gruel it's kind of grayish and it's very sour um and it's thick like you cannot it's like a milkshake um mm-hmm. and you know people either kind of love it or hate it um but it's and it's and it's sour um so it's just a, a homebrew process that um a that Josephine, you know, can, can tell people about. Um, but it's, you, you brew it one day, it sits overnight in pretty much a bucket. Like it's made in most times, 20 liters, five gallons at a time. Mm. Um, and it's an overnight brew. And the next day you have to consume it all. Um, you know, it goes bad pretty fast. And so there's, um, a tr- you know, longstanding tradition of it would actually be put into um, gourds and then there were multiple straws that people would all sit around and, and take from the central mm. sorghum here that it's quite similar oh sorry Erica That's- um I I saw a term that I'm not sure if I'm going to pronounce it right um ikigage um ikigage. It, okay um so that that's that's how beer is called in Rwanda is that right 
That's the sorghum beer. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, I read that it's a native grass that's well adapted to droughts and high temperatures. Did your background in botany kind of feed into that side of the raw ingredients? For sure. There's um, what I love about sorghum. Well, first of all, it was also Bose Brewery had. Th- so they're them and then Christian Vonderheide, who um, runs Tagwork Beer, Paris Brewing Company. He's the former president of Siebel Institute. Um, and so they had come together to Rwanda um, and looked at what was available for fermentation ingredients um, and come up with a recipe that was um, sorghum, cassava and, uh, and barley. And so I was already kind of handed, you know, a, a legacy recipe in that way that we've just been modifying and playing with since. Um, but it does make sense, you know, in terms of horticulture, climate um, environment, sorghum is climate friendly. So and, and it doesn't require all the fertilizers, pesticides, water. It's it's much more sustainable. Um, it's quite it's quite widespread around the world. And and even in, you know, talking to brewers in the States, there's a pretty good, you know, you can even, you can source sorghum pretty easily in the States at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, And as climate change happens and, you know, barley is kind of coming under threat, uh, you know, let's get used to brewing with some sorghum. So, (laughs) so, so definitely sorghum um, one, because it's here Two, you know, it, it's environmental, it's a native crop. So in both as a landscape architect and as a brewer, I really try to, you know, go towards native plants. Um, so we are brewing biodiversity beers here, for example, like so sorghum falls under that in that it's a native crop to Rwanda. But also, for example, we made a jasmine IPA with native, two species mm. of native jasmine. Um, and I we're working jasmine. with <laughs> right. It's oh, that little kiss of jasmine, like right at the end of a beer is lovely. Um, so we're working with two of the national parks um, and the Diane Fossey Gorilla Fund on making beers that involve ingredients that will emphasize using local ingredients and tell stories and bring them into an enjoyable context. Um, you know, like nettles are not fun to run into while you're hiking volcanoes, but, you know, you involve them with some blackberries from the mountains and you know, then you can make a beer out of it um, and they can tell a story and proceeds go back to the parks when we sell those kind of beers. Um, so yes, plant choice um, is both fun and important to me in, in Quasar's recipes. Mm. Yeah, I really love that angle, like the sustainability side of it. And I, I had a possibly dumb question, but do you skip the malting process then? Or no, it's it's still, so. There's a couple ways you can brew with sorghum. Um, okay. So so Josephine sources our sorghum um, through her long term sources that she uses. Um, and she used to, she used to malt it herself. Um, so it's, it's malted in the same way of you get it wet, you let it, you let it start growing. Um, and then in sorghum malting here, you actually then put it with banana ash. So banana leaf ash, um, and then it's dried and then you, then you can use it in brewing. Um, and so there's, there's that way to, to make it. And then you can also use enzymes, um, to, in order to get to the, um, the, the starches in it. So, and it's also just a different brewing process because the gelatinization temperature is much higher than barley. So we just have to change kind of the, the process that we, that we brew with. And it's also sorghum is incredibly versatile for the brewing world, which is fascinating. So if you brew it at kind of normal brewing temperatures, you can make a, an incredible sour 
Um, but if you brew it with different step temperatures at a higher rate, you can make something that comes out and people don't even know that it's sorghum. They think it's a regular barley mm. beer. Um, <laughs> and so it has a really wide range of, of application you know, just on its own using different, different brewing techniques. Sure. Would you get the, the malted sorghum? Would you get it at different roasting levels, the same as you would with barley? We're going to start playing with that. Oh, yeah, okay, it cool. Kind of comes, like, it kind of comes one set thing right now. Um, yeah. But one of the things that we do want to start experimenting with is is roasting it from that point and seeing what we can do with it. Mm. Um, because we're a couple of our beers right now are either are eighty to one hundred percent local source, and a couple of them are still using imported malted barley. Mm. And we really want to convert the entire base of Quasa beers over to be majority locally sourced ingredients. Um, and so part of that is that you know there isn't kind of the the malting facilities here that can provide reliable same quality mm. you know, uh, and then. Also with weather changing and things, because climate change in Rwanda means that the dry seasons and wet seasons have changed. Um, so it's kind of unpredictable now as opposed to the past. And so, you know, times where you used to know, okay, we can set the sorghum out to dry have now become, you know, two days in, it starts raining. Um, and so mold and things can, can enter the process. So we're really trying, we're working with the Rwandan government and some other nonprofits and other, and some farmers um, to see if we can set up a small scale malting facility here so that we can keep using, because there is barley that is grown in country, barley, wheat, not as much as sorghum, <clears throat> but there is some, and we would like to be able to um, get it into a, a kind of more regulated process that, so that we can make different beers and roast to different levels that we can rely on. Mm. And for uh, people who, who aren't that familiar with Rwanda, it's it's quite a fertile country. It's got like lakes and rivers all around it, basically. it's I know it doesn't border Lake Victoria, but it's like just a little bit over from it. And yeah. Right? We're, we're smack dab in the middle of the African continent. Um, we are a landlocked country, <clears throat> which is also part of the reason about that those import taxes. We don't have an ocean port. So mm. everything has to come overland. So uh, our equipment that we bought to get our pilot scale going, which is what we're brewing on now, had to come you know, from Europe to um, Nairobi and Kenya. And then it overlanded in, uh, in a truck through Uganda to enter Rwanda. And it either has to do that or has to go through um, the salt and come in. And so, yeah, there's, we are quite landlocked, but it is, it's high. We're at 1500 meters, like a mile above um, sea level. And so it's always between 70 and 80 degrees, like around 25, you know, Celsius here. Um, it's perfectly comfortable year round, like, cause we're at one degree south of the equator. So it's kind of the same year round, except for you know, rainy and dry seasons um, and quite comfortable. And 81% of the country relies on agriculture as their livelihood. It is, wow. it, um, you know, we have, we have volcanoes to the Northwest where the, you know, if you've heard of the, the mountain gorillas, that's where they live. Um, and Lake Kivu, which is one of the yeah. deepest lakes in the world. It's, it's part of the Albertine Rift. Um, and then it goes all the way. So Ron's also incredibly small. It only takes you like three hours to drive across it. <laughs> um, and, but all the way to the east, we have Savannah, and that's where your, you know, giraffes and elephants and lions and stuff are um, in a much more arid area. That's where sorghum gets grown and mm. pineapples and things that require a much more arid and hot environment. So we have incredible variety, you know, within the country, um, which does have a really rich agricultural strength. 
And the name of the brewery and your beers, do they incorporate the local culture or language? Yeah, so Quesa is Pinaranda for to harvest or purity. Um, and our Quesa logo, if you look at it, is a takeoff from, um, it's, there's the five volcanoes that are seen from Rwanda, um, and out of it are coming a lot of grains. And so those are the grains we use. Um, and it's a spinoff of, there's, um, at the King's Palace here in Rwanda, there's a display of arrows, a traditional display. Um, and that's where they're displayed is kind of the, the way that the Quesa logo has them in a kind of an arc. Um, so yes, our logo and our name um, are you know, based here in Rwanda, which you know, we, want, we want Quesa to be a unique Rwandan brewery. We don't want you to come all the way to Rwanda if you're a tourist. And, and feel like you're just having German beer in, yeah. in Rwanda, right? Like yeah. it should be something completely unique and something that supports local agriculture and, and the history and the context and the culture. Um, so, you know, that's what our, our logo and our name hopefully have, have set that precedent. Is there a specific plant that you use for bittering as opposed to hops or do you get hops in? Um, are there options? Both. Um, so there's a plant called Vernonia, um, and it is used traditionally in the Ichigaje um, sorghum beer. And so it gives a level of bittering. Um, and Joseph, so Josephine has an amazing taste palette. I think she's one of those like, you know, percentage of people who are super tasters. Um, and she has put it, I believe, closest to Columbus hops when we did like kind of you know, we did a, a range of tea tastings of, of imported hops um, and then and then also did a tea of the Vernonia. Um, and I believe it was Columbus that she has determined it's closest to. So we haven't actually made one of our um, kind of, you know, pilot scale brews yet with Vernonia, but it is definitely something that we are hopefully going to be using more of. Mm. And how is the, the water there? Like, do you have a municipal source or are you filtering at all? Or Yeah, so we have a, a municipal source um, and, then, and then we have a water filter um, mm-hmm. on top of that. At the brewery that we're building, so right now we're just in a pilot scale. This was supposed to be our R&D phase to really kind of just test supply lines, test the market if they like the beer, you know, figure out how to brew <laughs> here. Um, and... So at the larger brewery, we're planning on a, we were initially planning on only rainwater, um, but because the dry season can last three months, um, the amount of water we would need to store on site to get it through that dry season um, is just prohibitive in both space and cost. So um, we are planning on doing rainwater capture and hopefully brewing some with that, um, but also we're probably going to be digging a borehole and we're working with a local NGO here who um, works with communities and sets up um, community water sources. And so what we're looking at right now is putting in a borehole um, so that we have enough water for the brewery, but also having the, um, having the organization run the front of it so that people in the local community can come and buy water through them. Um, that just ba- basically pays for the maintenance of that water source through the nonprofit. Um, so then hopefully both the, the community and the brewery will have a source of water at that location. Um, you you mentioned that you're getting like help from NGOs and the like. Um, so is Quasar a commercial concern or what's the purpose, I suppose, of Quasar? Does the money get reinvested? I'm presuming it gets reinvested, but in what ways or... Yeah, so we're a private business, okay. private for-profit business. Um, you know, early on, we did talk about, you know, a lot of people, 
interested in this project at the beginning, have worked in a background of kind of nonprofits, government, you know, community organizations, service. And we did ponder, should we, should we try to make it more of a social you know, nonprofit or something like that. But ultimately, and the thing that, you know, that really lights a fire under me every day and why Quasa is important is because the goal is to help women be economically empowered. Um, and so this is a for-profit business that the women involved will make money off and then they can do, you know, what they want with that. Um, and because one of the things that I realized early on, you know, obviously we need capital to build a brewery, to buy our equipment, to, you know, to get started. Um, and that it, we, we wanted that to be, we wanted it to be women owned. Um, and, but then, you know, the, the, the research into figuring out who could be actually our investors, it's incredibly hard to find mm. female investors, especially Rwandan or African female investors um, within kind of the world that's accessible, you know, and like, I'm sure, you know, there's, there's people out there for everything, but I was finding mostly white men that had available cash, um, you know, that wanted to invest. And so what that was just kind of like one of those, like, of course, you know, I that it didn't, you know, that made sense to what I knew about the world. But what I realized was that that means that the, the, if we succeed as a business, then those original investors are the ones who also then build their wealth and it continues the cycle. Um, yeah. And so early on, we said, let's do everything we possibly can to make sure that the people who own, run and brew and lead this company are women, ideally Rwandan women um, and or people of color. So right now, for example, our investors are uh, majority women. Um, and then we have people of color from a, from a few different countries and a couple of Rwandan people. Um, and so we're really trying to make sure that, it, and also we have a employee equity, you know, so Josephine will be opening, owning part of this company. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Um, and so that the goal is that the work that gets put in will benefit women and people of color to, you know, to do the little bit that hopefully we can do through proper business. It's not through charity. It's not through yeah. nonprofits. It's through sheer business um, that the people who invest in it will, will create wealth. And what we really want to have happen is generational wealth building. And then do you see like a trickle down with um, off licenses or craft beer pubs that are, you know, um, women led eventually opening up if everything goes well. Yeah, I definitely think so. And we are, we are being proactive about trying to pick restaurants and places that are women owned um, Mm -hmm. in order to premiere the beers. Um, So it either has to like our very first premiere was actually at Akagera National Park. And that was more because of the proceeds go back to the conservation of the park, which then also we're going to be working with co-ops around the park to grow things for the brewery. And then here in Kigali, we're working with women owned businesses um, to really kind of, you know, we, right now we do have a rare thing that's in high demand. It's, you know, people Mm -hmm. don't have craft beers, so they want, they want what's here. Um, And we really want that benefit to hopefully continue that, that kind of cascade effect of a knock on to another women's business who works with us. And that, and Mm -hmm. so yeah, we're trying and we're also trying to source from women's co-ops um, and then our spent grains going back into farming and other opportunities. So we're trying with every stream of income, output, investment to, to just let values drive our business decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it can't always happen. Um, you know, we need to keep things moving forward. And sometimes we have to make business decisions if we just have to make this happen. Um, but we are trying to, to make it happen as much as possible. So speaking of that, can you take us through this Kickstarter campaign that you are launching very soon for, for Quasar? Yes. So um, so we have almost our complete equity investment. Um, we are still looking for some final investors, so especially women and people of color um, that want to invest. But then we are looking to do a Kickstarter for two reasons. One, to raise money. Um, to, I mean, as we know, things like pandemics suddenly happen, and so you need contingency plans. Um, and we don't know what we don't know yet. We are, as we said, the first craft brewery in the country, so we don't know what kind of other obstacles we'll run into. So we want um, a little bit of extra uh, operational cash and, and, and the money to be able to put up this brewery. Um, so we're doing a crowdfund. And so the other, the other reason we want to do this is because it's, it's an awareness building campaign, basically about um, African beer, women in beer, African ingredients. Um, because, I mean, 
you guys are the, the beer ladies podcast. So you're well familiar with the fact that, you know, women traditionally brew around the world and, and brewing started really in Mesopotamia and Africa. Yet we think of it as a German kind of owned process, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so part of it is just to put a bunch of breweries with values, aligned values together, um, who all are going to brew a beer that's either made with sorghum or other African ingredients. Um, and ideally are also either brewed by women or there's women involved in that brew. Um, and also there's, um, we have black owned breweries in the States getting involved. Um, and we're just trying to, again, use, use our values to leverage the, the values that we have and that, that are aligned with other breweries. Um, so everybody will be, there's about 20 breweries involved, um, on three different continents. And so we'll all be brewing a beer that, um, that, like I said, either involves African ingredients and I'll be exporting actually Rwandan sorghum to a few different breweries, um, um, and, or, you know, obviously there's, a, and then there's a lot of breweries here in Africa, in Nigeria, Kenya, Uganda, South Africa, am I missing any right now, um, that are going to be brewing. And so partnering with other breweries to kind of share their experience. Um, so besides the collab itself, there's also a lot of different prizes. We have some merch and, um, and, uh, and a couple trips to Rwanda, um, to come and see, uh, Rhonda itself and come and brew with us. And um, we also, we have a chef that works with us, um, Debbie, Debbie Leet. And so she'll be doing kind of um, a prepared meal with people and we'll be matching with beers. You can brew with Josephine um, and then go off to see some mountain gorillas and some safari and you know, it'll be fun. Oh, that sounds like fun. a heavenly <laughs> Yeah. holiday you know i just want to right. go I think it's our next meetup <laughs> <laughs> um, so we'll be launching that kickstarter soon with all those different ways to get involved and then hopefully just people that want to help us get off the ground and ensure our, our runway um so that will help us we have a we have a brew uh design done for the brewery so we're working with general architecture collaborative here um and they've designed the brewery so we're ready to to go once we have you know all the money in the bank um and so it the, the money will help us one get the brewery up and running and then the more that we're able to raise we'll be able to make it make sure that the water is sustainable that we do a wastewater wetland as part of it that we have solar power um, and that we, and also that there's, you know, extensive beer gardens. The great part about this brewery is also, like I said, Rondon weather is always perfect. Um, and so we have hectares of beer gardens that you can go and enjoy a good ginger beer in. Um, so the funds are really to, to help us make sure that we get off the ground and we get running um, and that, that we get to profit positive. Um, there's a couple of partners who have already asked us about potentially a Quasa 2.0 um, and about international either either making another brewery in another country or exporting. So there's interest, but we still have to get Quasa 1.0 and up and out of the ground. We really need to prove that the market demand is here. Um, and so that's what everybody that gets involved in the Kickstarter will help us to do. Absolutely. So I think that's for, really exciting. <laughs> yeah. So for those listening, we will tweet and share on Instagram and do all the things once that Kickstarter is up and running. But keep keep your eyes and ears peeled because to be able to support a woman-owned, woman-led brewery in Rwanda just is amazing. And um, so, yeah, so Jesse, all of these breweries are going to be brewing with sorghum or other African ingredients. If you were to give a home brewer right now a tip as to how to brew with sorghum, what would you tell them? Um, it's 
it's about figuring out what style you want um, and then playing with it. Like I said, there's the, you know, if you just brew it as if it was regular barley, you're going to come up with an incredibly sour beer, which some people might want. So, and, and sorghum matches really well with fruits. Like we make a mango sorghum that is people just call it our lawnmower beer. Like it's just, it's a nice mid afternoon, you know, smooth drink. Um, and the other nice part of sorghum is that it, it, it inherently tends to be lower alcohol. So, um, and we're finding that that low alcohol beer is in high demand as we get going. Mm-hmm. Um, so our lower alcohol beer goes faster um, than our higher ones. Um, and so, so the sorghum can be incredibly versatile depending on what you want to do. And then if you want to get more into an ale or something more kind of the, the beer beer um, that, you know, then it's playing with gelatinization rates and multi-step um, multi-step mashes um, and higher temp mashes. So, but it is possible. I mean, you know, home, that's what sorghum beer is brewed at home here. So it's not like it's something that you need to have specialty knowledge about. Um, you know, you can do it too. That's awesome. I definitely want to support this Kickstarter once it's live. In fact, I just want to visit Rwanda. Like we just come visit, have a beer ladies trip. <laughs> beautiful here. <laughs> But we can't be seen to have fun, right? Oh, Drinking yes. beer. This was yeah. something Jesse was talking to us beforehand. Do you want to talk about this? Like the the health claims um, of the country's laws. So the, for the amount of beer that Rwandans consume, which I've heard it, you know, depending on the year, it's between like number two and number six of all the countries, 54 countries in Africa. It's an incredibly high rate of, of drinking. And that's including half of the country that doesn't drink. Um, so the other half is making up for it. <laughs> so, also, I, you know, and, and why that is, you know, they, the other thing is that the Seychelles, is you, the islands, um, you know, off the coast of Africa are usually somewhere close to Rwanda in consumption rates. And they're the top two countries with the highest population density. So, you know, people are hanging out together and having fun and or like, I don't need a drink. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, so, but the, the, so the Rwanda Food and Drug Administration is the one who um, they've recently taken over as the new ministry that will oversee pharmaceuticals, beverages, food, all the licensing um, of that. And and so part of what they, we were invited to a meeting with them that when they were trying to set the the new regulations for things like marketing and advertising. And and some of the big, you know, points are one, you can definitely not market to minors, which is great, you know, like, and you just have to make it clear that you're not marketing to minors. Um, You cannot make any health claims. So you can't, add an ingredient to a beer and say, this makes you healthy or, you know, and so, which I think is also great, you know, like people, because there were, there were problems in the past here with people selling alcoholic beverages and also claiming that they're good for you. So it's kind of, you know, counterproductive in many ways. Um, And so there is just a strict, you cannot say that this promotes health in any way, shape or form. Um, And under discussion, the last that (laughs) that I was involved is that is whether or not you can promote that beer is enjoyable. Uh, (laughs) so, So whether or not that meant you could be smiling or not in an advertisement, or you could mention, you know, that it's fun to have in a social, setting you know that that was kind of it, it set off a hot discussion um in a conference room that i didn't even need to participate in all the other industries involved were, you know are like well that's what i drink beer for to have a you know a beer with my friends and enjoy um so that was you know the last i know was was left for discussion um 
or it's a heavily regulated environment here. Um, and so we're, we're learning a lot as we go. Um, you know, we did just receive our license to be able to make and produce beer, which is as far as we know, the first, you know, craft beer license in the country. It's technically for draft beer um, production. and consumption. <clears throat> um, Woohoo! Well done. It took a while. Um, <laughs> and so now we're working through zoning permissions. Um, you know, we've gotten unofficial approval on that. We're just waiting for some more steps. Um, so it, it, it's fascinating to learn in depth, you know, the multi, multiple industries and multiple mm-hmm. agencies that we need to work through. Um, so, yeah. So part of it is that, you know, we can't say that Quasa is enjoyable, but you can come and enjoy it. <laughs> and what is the drinking age there? 18. Okay. And do you think um, you'd have cans or bottles eventually? Or what kind of packaging do you envision? Um, primarily, we want it to be draft beer. So we do, yeah. you know, because it's the first craft brewing you know, craft brewery, we want people to be able to come in and have a flight and be able to discuss the beer and see mm. how it's made. Um, because the two, you know, giant industries right now that make it, get, it gets made far away and you get a bottle that costs a dollar. And like, nobody understands. Like, I remember the first time that I ever, um, I went to Sam Adams in Boston and I was like, oh, it's made of stuff, like real stuff and real people make it. And it just blew my mind. Um, and so that's the experience I also want to help give to others. And, you know, Josephine loves telling people about how we make the beer and what the process is behind it. Um, and that is what we're finding so far when we serve people beer, you know, they just ask about how we make it and what's in it. And, and that just leads to more and more questions. And so people are really engaging with it. And then they're really enjoying also the variety that we're providing. Mm. Um, so there's, you know, there's all different sides to um, bringing, bringing craft beer and draft beer into the country. Um, and as part of, we do own a brewery's worth of equipment. Um, so there's a brewery down in South Africa, Fraser's Folly, that during the, um, the lockdown. So South Africa went through four um, prohibitions mm-hmm. during their lockdown. <laughs> um, so, yeah, not easy on the industry at all. Yeah. And so this this one brewery kind of saw this coming. And you know, in order to maintain cash flow, combined with they were moving some equipment around, um, you know, they needed a way through. We needed a way in, so it worked mm-hmm. out really well. Um, and so we actually bought. Um, a brewery's worth of equipment still sitting in South Africa, um, waiting. <laughs> we need to build the brewery here go Kickstarter, um, <laughs> build the brewery to bring the equipment into sure. there's no reason to bring it to not have a place to put it. Um, yeah. And part of that includes a really nice bottling line. Um, but we okay. are right now considering selling off that bottling line while it's still in South Africa and buying a canning line. Mm-hmm. Um, because part of being in Rwanda is, you know, in that landlocked aspect, we don't have any sandy rivers, we don't have any beaches, so therefore we have no glass industry. Um, So every glass has to be imported, and they're usually imported from India or China. Um, You know, there's some made on the African coast on the on the Indian Ocean coast, but not much. Um, And so by the time you put that on a truck, and you haul it across three countries and up to the, you know, altitude we are, that's a huge environmental footprint. And mm. a lot of cost. I mean, bottles weigh a lot. Um, yeah, true. So yeah. When you look at you know the environmental kind of discussion between bottles and cans, it's you know there there's kind of eh, it could go one way or the other. But 
being where we are and what's happening here, cans are a clear winner. And the government also has, you know, has said that they would like it if we do go in the can direction, because mm. the, there's a recycling facility here that will recycle the cans that end up, you know, in, in the system. Um, so hopefully we will have draft beer and cans, but, you know, every day is a learning adventure. We'll see. What <laughs> and what do you imagine would be your core range, if any, um, as opposed to the special brews? You know, right. We have five beers right now that we're kind of consistently making that keep turning over. Um, we have a ginger beer, a ginger citrus beer that um, is that flies, um, especially on a like nice sunny day. Um, and then a sorghum beer of different sorts. So whether it's mango sorghum or we made like pink, we made one with the pink boots blend last year. Um, and so just made kind of a sorghum ale. Um, and then we do a Belgian blonde that. It goes over well. Um, and then we have an IPA. That's a traditional kind of takeoff of a family recipe from that I make with my father and sisters. And we do a stout that originated in the Black is Beautiful campaign um, with Weathered mm-hmm. Souls. So we started, we, we did a stout for kind of the Black is Beautiful campaign and, and, to, and to see how people reacted to it. And it went over really well. So we continue to make a stout. So those are our kind of five beers. We've also played with pineapple passion fruit beer um, and different kind of fruited things. So we'll find out, you know, where it all lands. So far, our most popular, I would say, um, is ginger and the sorghum beers. Mm. That's great. I, I really admire and I love the fact that it's so very focused on um, biodiversity and on local ingredients and, you know, doing doing the best with what you have instead of just trying to replicate, you know, every other brewery's core range. I think it's really, really cool. Well, it's from, you know, it's, it's what is beer in Rwanda, you know? So mm. and that's where Josephine and her history come in and she'll be, you know, teaching people about the history of sorghum brewing um, and really making sure that it becomes a, you know, if, if you go on an Africa through beer kind of tour, it should look different everywhere you go and every environment you go to and every culture you go to um, and should reflect those stories and those ingredients and, and that environment. Um, and even things, you know, like I said, like our, we don't have glass, so we're, we're getting clay mugs made and clay growlers by a female potter. Um, and so we're, we're trying to really, everything that we need to do, we're asking if we can make it, you know, Rwandan, whether it's through sourcing or use or training or whatever it is. So we're seeing how, how much we can make it a completely local brewery. That is amazing. I just feel so unaccomplished <laughs> in my life, you know, <laughs> but I will support, I will support you. <laughs> don't, don't, don't feel unaccomplished, Katie. I mean, my goodness, <laughs> that's great. So, so Jesse, who else is involved in Quasar at the moment? You've got yourself and Josephine, and we're going to hear from Josephine um, in some clips later on in the episode. Um, who else is involved? Um, Debbie Leet, who I've mentioned is a, is a mm. chef. So she's, she's Zimbabwean um, and has been in Rwanda for 11 years running a catering company. And so she, I actually met her through a project I came to Rwanda to design she became the chef at it. And then um, we met and started chatting and I was like, Oh, you're in, you know, like, can I pick your brain about things, you know, regarding starting a business here and things like that. Um, And then when I was getting equipment brought in to run our pilot scale, I was looking for a place to put it. Um, And so I ended up renting a room in Deb's business. Um, 
And that turned into her, you know, just all like the days I was brewing, she'd come in and check it out. And so that turned into um, her both joining as a partner to run the restaurant side of the brew pub, as well as an investor. Um, and so, so it's Josephine, myself and Deb are the, the women of Quiza. Nice. And tell us more about the brew pub. What is it going to look like? What is it going to feel like? Um, what should we expect? Um. Oh, I should have had a picture ready for YouTube. <laughs> um, it's it's really a kind of, uh, it's a very basic, two, it's two buildings side by side. Um, and one of them will have the, the microbrewery. So we're going to be making, you know, starting off at about 7,500 liters a month and going up to, we hope, 30,000 um, in the future. But that's not very big. You know, we're making 500 liters a batch. Um, and so it, it's about the kind of, exposure we you know there's glass walls to the into the brewery so people can see what's happening in there um and and really kind of get into it and so part of the purpose of the building even itself is exposed rafters and um and exposed materials because it's about exposing the industry about you know so we want the structure of the building to reflect kind of what we want in the industry um and then so alongside that so there'll be a, a nice green core between the two so a little eight Atrium, um, and then there'll be the restaurant. So there'll be a, a restaurant, like a fifty a fifty seat indoor restaurant, kitchens and an event room. Um, and then out front of both of those will continue beer gardens um, that run into a, a huge six hectare park. Um, so we'll, there'll be parent pavilion because there's there's not a lot of options of things to do in Kigali. It's a very small city. Um, and especially for parents with, with children kind of looking for something new to do, there's not a lot of options. So the, it'll be, you know, event kind of, and, and Ron is also very uh, slopey. It's the land of a thousand hills. Everywhere <laughs> you look, you're, you're on a hill looking at another hill. Um, and so we're just building that in, having different levels of terraces. Um, and so there'll be different event terraces that you can have in different private gardens to be able to go out and have a braai barbecue. Um, and then there'll be a parent's pavilion. So there'll be like a kid's play area where parents can, you know, hang out and have some beers and there'll be an outdoor kitchen so we can, Deb can make some good braai. Um, and she's been working on things like um, stout pork pie and um, ginger chicken wings and different things that match with our different beers. So hopefully it will be a place that people can come and really enjoy themselves, um, enjoy the beer, enjoy the food. Um, so that's really what we're aiming for. Oh my God, that just sounds fabulous i cannot wait to go i'm like we should have a beer ladies trip right as soon as it's all built it's up and running you had me at bride definitely yeah i think um you paint a lovely picture and your positive energy is very infectious so i would love to see the momentum keep going because it's family friendly and there's an educational element to it. And mm. I, I think the timing is actually going to work in your favor. So mm. um, wish you all the best of luck with that. Yeah, absolutely. Jesse, uh, maybe a final question before we start wrapping up, but what do you think the impact of Quez is going to be on the community? Um, I think that will be, Really an interesting thing to see because, I mean, there's all, there's like the basics of employment, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, but what I'd love to see is that Quiza becomes an incubator for craft brewing industry. So, um, you know, a lot of people have been like, aren't you worried about competition? I'm like, I, I, I hope there's competition because, mm-hmm. you know, in ways 
things like malt, you know, will only really become commercially viable if you have multiple breweries. That and like, I assume at some point I'm going to get really bored of my own beer. I'm going to want to be like, I want to go to other craft breweries. Um, but I think part of that, what we really want to do is, you know, people have been really helpful to me. So Steve Beauchene, the CEO of Bose Brewery, we meet regularly and he mentors me and talks me through everything from like carbonation to like HR issues, you name it. Um, and Christian Vonderheide and then in a P-Way, she's, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know if you know a P-Way um, from Brewster's Craft. So I've had people that have mentored me a lot through this process. And so I want to be able to do that in, in this. And so hopefully, I think it kind of fits also with women-owned, led, brewed, chef, you know, that, that were also the mothers of the industry. Um, and so also, I think, and it would be great if any of your listeners know anything to the contrary, if, you know, well, now that we're licensed, we are the first craft brewery in Rwanda. Rwanda may be the first country in the world where the commercial craft brewing industry is being started by women. We can't find anything to the contrary. So, but it's, it fits with Rwanda, like more, you know, more than half of the parliament is women run. Um, it's a very women empowered country. Um, and so along those lines, it's, you know, the government is very supportive of Kwesa, loves what we're doing, both agriculturally, women's empowerment, you know, starting another small industry. Um, and so hopefully we can continue to, to kind of bring that forward and train other people into the industry um, so that people can continue along, whether it's beer or non-alcoholic mm-hmm. beverages or whatever it is, just to show that women can run these businesses and, and Rwandans can run businesses and that, that we can hopefully bring this new technical skill set um, in of kind of marrying the background that exists in the, the culture that exists with the technical stuff that, you know, the Rwandan FDA requires for licensure and distribution. Um, and that will really, you know, help, help build up a small industry. And along with all the feeder sources of all of our ingredients and the outputs of going back into different industries, um, we'll see what, you know, what it contributes to the community. Um, I, th- I suspect it will have a life of its own that I cannot even expect now oh we can only hope um no absolutely this this is the most phenomenal project and we wish you the very very best of luck with it jesse um where can we find you where can our listeners and our and our viewers find you on social media website give us all of the details there and the best is probably our instagram right now so it's just um quasar craft brewery on Instagram. Um, we're on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, all the things. Um, and so yeah, we're either under Quasar Craft Brewery or Quasar Brewery on, mm. uh, on each of those. Um, and we do have a website that's quasarbrewery.com. Uh, um, but right now there's only like one landing page. We're working on it. So <laughs> it should be up and running soon. We'll, we'll have some of the, some of the background about us um, and different ways to, that you can get involved and in about our beers. And so all of those different ways. Amazing. Um, No, that's really, really fab. And once the Kickstarter is up and live, we will definitely share it on our own Beer Lady social media, everybody. So um, keep your eyes and ears peeled to Twitter, uh, mostly Twitter. That's where we are mostly anyway. Um, But we'll definitely share that. And hopefully we get loads and loads of support from Beer Ladies listeners. That would be the dream. Right. Yeah. It takes a village or it takes a global village to raise a women run brewery. Indeed. 
Indeed. All right. Well, that's that's fantastic. Jesse, thank you so, so much for your time. We really appreciate you coming on. And for for the rest of us, um, so guys, you, you know the drill. We're uh, we're on all the social medias. We're on YouTube. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and every single pod plus podcast platform. Um, please share this with a friend, and especially an episode like this where, you know, sharing with a friend could really mean um, that Quesa gets off to a better start. So please share this episode with a friend, whether it's on YouTube or on on your podcast apps. And uh, yeah, we will see you guys next week. And we're going to close out we're going to close out with a couple of clips with uh, with Josephine, who couldn't make it to the uh, recording because uh, as of recording, there is still a, a what do you call it, a uh, curfew in Rwanda. So a little tricky to get Josephine on, but we've recorded, we've pre-recorded some messages from her and what she thinks the impact of Quesa is on her and the community. So enjoy that. Okay, friends, thank you very much. We'll see you next week. Please tell me why you're interested in Quesa. For me, it was an opportunity to open for me to increase my revenue, my lifestyle, and then I was I was have I I was I have a curiosity to know how we can make real beer like Rarigua, like score as you know in here in Rwanda. Has joining Quasar changed your life in any way? And if so, how? Yes, it's changed. When I, I joined Quasar Brewcraft, I raised my salary and then I think to, 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 expand, to expand my revenue. I started to build a house at home if I, and, think to, to rent for people and then I will. Yeah. <laughs>What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.